Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Now entering Nerdist.com. How does everyone sound, Matt? You sound great. I sound fantastic. Sexy. Oh, very. Me? Oh, you sound everyone great. Everyone good? Delightful. I do. I do. Is that the sum total of your contribution to the show? <laughs> Me? Delightful. Me? What do I? Turn your mic. Turn it to the... Uh, so the front of it's yeah, facing? The front, yeah. Is that the front? No. no, the front has the button on it. The little uh, mic clip. Oh. Oh, why did there I say that? Go. There we How go. How was it now? Yeah. All right, try it again. Me, you. And also, too, you want to go up a little. <laughs> Andy Richter. Oh, this is Andy Richter, by the way. Uh, Thanks. Sound engineer. Ah. There. No, that's guns. You want to talk. Now, right that is me. a guy who knows how to work a mic stand. Andy, you're going to make me not yeah. slouch. <laughs> this well, is no. not good. This is too. This is sitting up straight. This is good for my self esteem. I know. Uh, yeah, I know. That's why hipsters have to slouch. You got to get. Be- you got to get below the confidence line. Exactly. I just got to. Yeah, you got to keep down, your posture. So you're fine. Really leer at everybody. Just, just the perfect curve. <laughs> this is the judging. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, because when you're up, you kind of get a view of everything, and you're like, "Hey, we're all the same, and everything's fine." Exactly. But then when you get down, you can start judging down. on on. on Several levels of irony. Right. Look at their pants. They fit. Re- you can really revel in your double chin. <laughs> That's right. Let <laughs> me just squash like it take down. It back. I like to be taken aback. Yeah. I wonder if I can yeah. put anything ironic in my chin space. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is the Nerdist podcast. I'm uh, Matt Matthew Myra on my left. There's Jonah Ray over there. Speaking into the mic directly. And uh, Andy Richter is here. Hi there. Hey. I'm sorry. Please email the show and tell me about the, the increase in Jonah's vocal quality. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know what? Yeah. We, do get, we do get audio nerds who are like, 
I like the podcast, but you got to fucking fix the sound, buddy. And I'm like, yeah. hey, thank you for enjoying your free you know entertainment. What, I, I wasn't actually talking right into my microphone either. They're going to complain about the echo again. I, yeah. We can't help the echo. We're in a room made of glass in a conference room on the fourth floor of the Comcast building. And right. this is unfortunately... Drive by and look at us. And this the whole place is surrounded with uh, tall, blonde South Africans wearing gray suits and carrying submachine guns. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're, under, uh, we're under some type Just of martial you want echo. Some That's type of military. Very martial yeah. law, uh, and also as I, happen. Was, as I was pointing out before we started, that these chairs—they're very <laughs> bouncy. They are which bouncy is chairs. Terrible for a podcast. These are I, horrible chairs. Not the worst chairs in the building. I think each conference room has even more uh, horrible chairs than these. They try to outdo each other. Yeah. Um, this is—I uh, I think That's everyone will game. agree that ev- every element of the setup of this is probably not right for any kind of broadcasting. Someone will always sure. find something wrong. You uh, could hang pack, uh, packing blankets from the ceiling. Let's do that. That's the, that constitutes trying. Yeah. yeah, we'd rather not. No, yeah. see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. See, when Jonah just said we'd rather not try, he slumped down a little yeah. bit to get back <laughs> in. You're like you're like a transformer, but a hipster. <laughs> so the way a hipster transforms, just uh, 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 and then so you slouch. Sorry, take what you can get. Uh, 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 go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of that sound, it's Bell and Sebastian that comes out. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I I just I have to gush for a second about a show. I did a show last night that was. One of the most amazing shows I've ever been a part of. Um, Ed Helms has a bluegrass band. And so he put together this bluegrass weekend at Largo, where Friday, Steve Martin played. Steve, yeah. Steve Martin played banjo. And he apparently played King Tut. And I missed it. And I'm heartbroken. On a stage that you were on. And I, but I did, I did last night. And um, uh, the, like these musicians, it was like half a nickel creek. And the guy who played keyboards for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And... And Sarah Silverman and Will Arnett and Paul Shear and Tom Lennon. It was a super fun show. And then afterwards, the musicians were like, let's go to the little room at Largo and jam. I literally tripped over Jackson Brown as he was unpacking his... I planted my knee right in his fucking back. Well, he's so little. Well, he's not that little. He was crouched down. Uh, perfect, uh, perfect knee-hitting height. And then, uh, and then watch them jam uh, for like... An hour and a half in the little room. The Nickel it was Creek, crazy. Nickel Creek has a great cover of uh, Pavement Spit on a Stranger. That's when I started listening to Nickel Creek. They covered Morrissey last night. Oh, really? It was phenomenal. Uh, it was. It, it was. Tom Lennon loses shit when they covered Morrissey. Yeah, he he did. He was standing right behind me, and I turned around and we just had that. Holy shit, dude! <laughs> yeah. The first time that's ever been said to a Morrissey song. Holy shit, dude! It's the Morrissey. <laughs> well, these days it's more Dios mío. Because <laughs> he has a very large Latino base. He does. That's yep. one of my favorite things about him. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Well, what oh, what man, did you like about him before? Hey, huh? large Latino. No, I mean following. I like I liked him on uh, face value first, and then when it turned out, and I moved here, and like, oh my god, yeah. Every Cholita and Cholo loves Morrissey. They love. Just to let the listeners know, Andy Richter is white. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in case you didn't catch that from the Just in case no. you've never seen television. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, I was, I really, it's not like they're, you know, Tears for Fears fans, although, you know, in Southern California, that was something that struck me when I first came here, is the amount of, like, new wave pussy rock <laughs> that tough dudes in California listen to, like Depeche Mode. Yep. Like, there's, you will find... Jughead idiots go on like fucking mode, man. They're awesome. <laughs> the mode, the fucking, and, the mode. and it's crazy to me because that was always faggy pussy music. Yeah, I grew up, <laughs> you know. So I don't think anyone's going to swear like that on this. I, I think faggy yeah, pussies yeah, yeah, okay. are the best kind of pussies, <laughs> though. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of pussy are you? 
Does this pussy make my pussy look fat? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of Latino Tears for Fears fans. Yeah. Do you think maybe we can start that as a, as a, as a movement? I wouldn't be... I bet you there's a lot of them anyway. Cambio. Is, there, is there a reason behind you the Latino... Cambio. Morrissey, Morrissey that's the other thing. I, See, I'm not, I'm not I'll alone tell you what, in this. It's two things. I think there's an... I, I read an article about it. There's an aesthetic quality... They kind of like that sort of that mod that mod fifties yeah. how he okay. looks. Yeah. yeah, and then also, I think the other the other uh, they interviewed a lot of Latinos about it, and part of it is they he came from like a like a working class English town, and so they relate to his music. They relate to what he's saying in his music, and so but I think that he also speaks. To a florid, dramatic streak that runs strongly through the Hispanic community. <laughs> like a total, like, sleeping, like, fainting couch. Even the toughest of the tough will, you know. Yeah. There's a, there's like a Latin sort of romanticism that I think he really embraces. Every Latino has a little Morrissey inside. Just yeah. waiting. Just waiting. It's like, out. it's like Italians who, you know, I mean, these are all, of course, cultural stereotypes, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, you can, you know, they're like, so it's easy. Yeah, like, yeah, it doesn't they, hold up in they, court, but in conversation, it's fine. But, yeah. but like Italians of fiery and fighting and all this stuff, but also think about like, the opera, you know, like maudlin self, you know, just luxuriating in your own suffering. Yeah. Because there's you know? that, there's that, <clears throat> there's that tough exterior, and then that like poor well, me. Do you th- yes, do you think, exactly. Do you, think that's, uh, do you think that's like just like the Catholic guilt then? If it's like Italian and it's uh, Latino, do you think it's just? Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't go any further than just noticing it. <laughs> I don't think I really think about it. into it pretty well. I just say, look at that. No, I mean, I don't know if I. I mean, I'm not Catholic, so that I don't. My wife is, and so I kind of have it. Awareness of how Catholicism touches things, but it's not anything that occurs to <laughs> me. I only get it. Catholicism touches things in many ways. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I only not get according it to the Pope. Sort of intellectually, you know. I don't. I don't like. I don't know. I. I, I don't know what it means to be Catholic, and I've been there. And it, it may, when you when you go and you see, like, obviously, I don't speak Italian, but go there and, and watch TV, and like, there'll be a Vatican show. It's obviously a Vatican show. It's from the Vatican. And on that same channel, two hours later, there's topless women, you know, doing chat shows. You're sort of like, oh, there's a, there's a contradiction going well, on I, in this country. Yeah. I just think yeah. that culturally... There's a lot going on at once. Culturally, as humans, we can have a crusty exterior and a, a, a sweet pussy center. Right, I think right. that's really... Except for the Germans. I was going to say molten chocolate. Father <laughs> oh. cakes. It's much nicer. Brown and hard on the outside. Sweet, sweet pussy center. Brown I wish they would advertise Three Musketeers that way. Chocolatey on the outside, sweet pussy center. Three Musketeers. No, not do with a musketeer. Pussy. <laughs> That's the tagline. Yeah. No, not literally pussy. Just, you know, <laughs> vulnerable. Boy, <laughs> like a pussy. I'll tell you what, I sure love me some figurative pussy. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> um, so, what are you, are you on a break right now? Uh, now that. Hey, well. <laughs> I mean, I'm unemployed. <laughs> that's temp- what temp- you mean? Temporarily. No, I'm actually not even technically unemployed. It just feels like it uh, I, because I'm still I'm under contract with NBC until the end of May. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the show. I mean, I'm te- you know, I was an employee of NBC working on a show, and that show went off the air. So I'm still under contract. To it. Oh, okay. It's not like I did anything, right? You know? uh, <laughs> so, well, maybe if you had, you'd be on still. <laughs> Well, no, I just mean like from a contractual standpoint. So they have to pay me until the end of May. 
and um, and then we're working on this tour. And I, but I'm you know I'm pursuing other things. I kind of was like, it took. There were a few weeks where I was like I'd I'd only had well ten months. It was seven on the air, and then like three prior to the show going on the air. I'd only had about ten months to get used to. Having having a supposedly you know unimpeachable job. Well, you know? that's the thing. That's the thing. And as, as any performer, as anyone who works in this business knows, you always you you are kind of ground. Your will is ground into a nub in, to the to the point where you never feel secure. You ever. Know, you never, ever. You never trust anything. And so you you're always waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and go, "All right, time's up." Yeah. Right. And so you can go, "Of course, of course." But right. but particularly in your case, it was like. Holy shit! If they're not safe, nobody's safe. Yeah. Like it, it really was kind of a, a dramatic wake-up call to everyone who yeah. has any kind of job that you yeah. just can never feel 100 percent safe. Unless any bitches out there start saying, <laughs> "Oh well, boo hoo," you know, like too bad you didn't get your job that you couldn't lose. Like I am speaking of a and from a place of realizing I'm tremendously lucky. Right. That's the baseline. Right. I I've been. Really successful. I make a living at this. I have a nice life. I have a happy family. But this, but it's still my life, and I still got to worry about paying for those kids. And right. we, you know, you bought your kids. <laughs> no, no, no. But you have kids to pay are expensive. For them. You, you yeah. get them for free, and it's like a, it's like a dope habit. You get them for free, and then you, <laughs> you pay, just got to get pay, more. Pay. The, yep. Then you got to uh, buy so the wife's the pusher. But you know, <laughs> but but you know, I mean, uh, so uh, granted. This is not real world problems or anything, but it certainly was. You know, it's it's if you work in show business, it's more like a career or a a business in you know an industry interest because it is. It's an interesting thing that happened within an industry that's in, incredibly insecure and incredibly just. You know, it, it uh, incredibly fucks you over. Is what I was going to well, say. Well, I don't, but I don't think. Um, I mean, I think anyone can understand. I mean, fr- from from the basic standpoint of, as part of human nature, you you want to you know you want to work and you want to contribute and you want to stay employed. It doesn't matter how glamorous your job might appear to other people. Right. It's still as a human being. You got fucked over, yeah, and so yeah. it's not. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to be like, "Yeah, that that asshole." To tell him to put on his Morrissey albums and shut the fuck oh, up. Oh no, there's a lot of people that say shit like that. No, I know. There's a lot of people. Like I made the uh, mistake of, well, and it's not even a mistake because it's uh, ultimately kind of. Uh, at one point, when something happened, I, you know, looked at news items about maybe it was when the tour came out or something. And then I scrolled all the way down to see the comments. Oh, on the don't. And don't. There's just so many people. And it's crazy, too. It makes me end up thinking, like, there's got to be... Because there there's, there's, like, a couple of sites that are just kind of, you know, like, gossipy, show-busy sites that are obviously a for-profit enterprise mm-hmm. that would, you know, there, there would just be so much different than the other ones in terms of their opinion. Like, there's just, like, one would be, like, so full of people that were pro-Leno. Right. And then there'd be another one that would be so full of people. It was just all people that l- loved us. Wait, Leno people knew how to use the computer? I Well, see, <laughs> I mean, I'm more inclined to believe that there's a... I'm, or I'm, I should say I'm, I'm less inclined to be suspicious of the pro-Conan 
web group because that just makes more sense to me. Yeah, Cause like younger. How, why are there people like a, seemingly a number of pro Leno people prowling the chat boards on a <laughs> gossip site? It this group think, moms like, on Facebook yeah. really. I, well, it, I'm glad it makes me back. think is I wonder if that website is owned by NBC. It's possible, you know. Yeah. And then and so the, and they just hire guys that work around the office to be like you know my name is you know Deborah K sixty seven right and I I love Jay Leno. They would make it more know? realistic if they just put like a link to a cute cat video right after it's like uh, I love Leno. <laughs> well, Check out my like, nephew's or cat. Or there's like a kitten avatar, like somebody yeah. like <laughs> really being angry. Now, about is that like, like the a Conan J situation with a kitten avatar? Is that like, like their avatar is a picture of a kitten or a, a kitten from Avatar, like a blue cat? <laughs> I just want to get. I don't know you if mean not- the animated series or the film. <laughs> oh, he's talking about the last. Last Airbender versus James Cameron's Avatar. Mm-hmm. For those of you at home, yes, following it's along. a nerdy podcast. Those people, those people yeah, yeah. would have known the Last Airbender. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had a giant cat with flapped with his ears. The Navi of James Cameron's Avatar yeah. didn't have cats. There were no cats at Home Tree. And a zebra buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> giant pterodactyls. <laughs> um, well, it, it is it, like the whole thing is. Uh, it was amazing how it overtook uh, just like the like pop culture in yeah. general for 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 a period of time, and how polarizing it was. Um, Avatar or the Conan O'Brien thing? All of it. <laughs> um, um, no, it was, no, it was all that was online. It was, I, it was crazy. I couldn't. Uh, I I don't even think I still fully got my head around. Did you? Do you guys? You, know? you, you must have just had moments because I, I mean, you know, Jimmy Pardo was doing warm up on the show. Yeah. I had a ton of friends who worked on that yeah. show, and. There must have just been a collective moment where you guys are looking around like, is this fucking really happening? Is this really happening? Yeah. I think probably, well, there a lot of the people there, I feel like I was in the minority because I had been used to, <laughs> like, I have been used to, like, constructing a complete fantasy scenario based on the inevitable success of the show that I'm working on. <laughs> right. You know, like all the things we're going to do and the places we're going to go yeah, and you the cut shit to those, we're going to buy. Those Homer and, Simpson dreams yeah. where you're in a tuxedo on top of a gold house. And I've had a number of experiences with that, having to like, you know, those fantasies being popped like a pin in a balloon going, oh, oh shit. Right. Oh my God. I gotta get another job. Well, and so for me, there was a couple days of holy shit, I can't believe it, and then sort of like, oh, all right, yeah. Well, this there's sense. there's a, uh, and I'm not I'm not saying that my I'm not on the same scale <laughs> as as what you guys went through, but I mean, you know, I've been working a really long time, and I've had way more failed stuff. It's like stuff that you think is gonna be the thing that tips it, and then it's just like, oh, and then it, you know, and then it then it goes away. Yeah. But you know, you're a testament to. No matter how shitty you get fucked over, you just fucking got to get back up and oh, learn yeah, a lesson yeah. from it and you keep going. You it, know, what are you going to do? This really, uh, I, I do feel, and I got to remind myself of this, like this is a really fun industry to work in. And it's, and it is to just be at the point where I am making my living at it is, is pretty great and, and, and puts me in a, in a very, you know, luxurious minority mm-hmm. so i gotta always know that it's you know that would explain the cape that you wore and your <laughs> top hat no, and cane it's, it's really a fun job and you got to keep going at it because it's like well of course i i think like the yin is so good if 
if the yin is the good one, the yang is, you know, there's going to be some shit. Yeah. Every, it, it, life balances itself out. So if you're going to get to do something this fun, you're going to make a lot of stomach acid. Right. You know, you're, that's right. just yeah. the price you're going to pay. You're going to have to deal with like pretty heavy disappointment at times, you know, and yeah. that's just like, well, you know what? Cause you get to fucking eat cake for right. a living. Like that's, when you get a job, it's so sweet. What do you do? You cock around and be an asshole and get paid. You right. Know? Right. It's 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 really fun. That's so, true. It's you know. not it's not like getting laid off at the one steel yeah, mill yeah. in town. Right. Oh like, shit! Where am I gonna go? And well, not only is not only is my career over, yeah. my life is over. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's 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 just nice that uh, it's nice that you guys were able to come away with it and still sort of feel like all right, we can still you know. I mean, obviously. Personally, I think it was. I think it could have been the best thing that happened because wherever else you guys go, and I, I don't know, are you talking about where you guys are going? Uh, well, I mean, we're talking nothing more than it's what's in the paper. We're talking to Fox. It looks good. I mean, in the story. Number one, Hugo and Fox will always be better than the other talk show they had, the Chevy Chase show. Right. It's like that's I, a, I, yeah, I hope so. I think it's pretty safe to. I think. It, I think it's. I think it's going to be great because number one. Um, well, one of you walked away with a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know what your deal was, but no, I, I mean, I get, I'm getting paid. You to get not paid well, working. Yeah, yeah, you get paid I, to not but, work. Yeah, but there's, um, there's a slight difference. I'm sure there's a little bit of a, just a, a little bit of a difference. A lot of people that like was 45. Also, you probably got like 42. That was also of the entire thing. One of the things that was really truly irritating was, the, and and it wasn't just me. It was people like Jimmy Pardo, or for those of you who don't know, uh, does the in-studio warm-up for us, who's a hilarious... Never Not Funny is his podcast, and you should a, listen yeah, to it. He's, he's amazing. He's got a hilarious pot. He's a hilarious, wonderful guy. And, uh, you know, he was he was one of the people there that immediately upon it being details of the so-called settlement being leaked, where he was getting Facebook messages and emails from people from his past going like, well, enjoy your golden parachute. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, you know. By the way, I don't think a golden parachute would work well. I mean, what? gold is oh, heavier than air. So it's always you would instantly bad. hit the ground. Yeah, but right. you'd look so good doing it. That you would be very. It would be a very shiny death. Yeah. But you would have a gold dome to preserve your remains. But yeah. I tell you what, though, no, no one by. would forget that. Guy fucking rained down yeah. in a shower of gold. <laughs> Boom! Hey, he's dead, what but uh, gorgeous. The most yeah. glorious mistake, man. He died in a shower of gold. That's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. No, but anyway, so people, there were a lot of people that just assumed we all made a gazillion dollars. Well, I, I, I think ultimately... You know, you're still you're still getting money, and and you're gonna go somewhere else. And what's great is I think it really helped corral your audience yeah. because there's such a tremendous outpouring of support. Uh, you know, for the people who are pro Conan and pro you, and and uh, and I think wherever you go next, they're gonna be extra cool to you guys, and you're gonna get to make you know whatever kind of show you want to make. And I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really great. I hope I'm so. excited. Yeah, about yeah. It. I'm I genuinely so. excited to see all what that happens. stuff about. They'll let you do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I sort of yeah. feel like. We'll see. You <laughs> yeah. know, they'll say that, sure, but well, we'll see. Andy, just... take your cock out of your pocket. <laughs> oh, really? I just wanted to fold it around just for yeah. the opening segment. No, you yeah. can't. You can't no, do whatever right. you want to well, do. All right. Um, by the way, just in case anyone wants to know, Andy told me that his pin is cock. Uh, so if you ever steal his ATM card, he walked up to me on the ATM in the lobby, and I go, I go, I don't want to look at your pin, and he goes, I'll just tell you what it is. It's cock. Yeah. <laughs> 
Can't forget that. I said in anybody's uh, account you try and hack, try that one first because you will find it. 80% of the people <laughs> use cock as their pin number. It would be weird if there was some sort of bizarre Ar- Arthur C. Clarke thing that no one figured out, but that everyone has the word cock as their pin. <laughs> and it's just so, it's like huh. some sort of weird that? alien subconscious right. mind control, and we just never... Or <laughs> some super genius uh, who figures out this technology but doesn't have any idea how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Just which, I'm going to make everybody use cock as their pin. Really? You, you can get money. You oh, can shit. Now I'm dead. Uh, My secret will go with me. The guy's like, no, no, it's just really funny. I just want everyone's pin to be cock. Pretty good, huh? You know, I guess. Ladies and people of Earth, you know how your pin is cock? You're welcome. Oh, now, excuse me, I'm talking about this plane with my golden parachute. <laughs> no! no! That was a good bit, guys. Let's uh, do some good yes ending there. <laughs> Let's put this thing on pause and rest for a while. <laughs> oh, I brought pillows. Um, do Two you... hours later, the high five stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we need right now is to all high five in the middle and just have, you know, like a 38 special song play and credits roll and like that's the end of our movie. Take me back to paradise. <laughs> are you? Uh, are you? Do you do a lot of live stuff? I mean, I see you at the UCB sometimes. You do. Uh, I've seen you do ASCAT before. Yeah. Um, are you doing a lot of live stuff? Uh, not right now. I mean, I'm. You know, people ask me to come do shows and stuff, and I and I'll I'll do that to a certain extent, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I won't because <laughs> I'll just stay home. Um, no, well, it's, you know, I got two kids, and so I'll go do stuff for friends of mine and, you know, people that I know. Um, and it's fun to get out, but I don't, I'm 43 years old. I no longer have the feeling of, like, I got to get out on a stage and I gotta, people laugh. <laughs> I gotta make I'm them, much more likely to be like, just, I got to get to bed You're just early. pressing your eyebrows down. I'm going to make them like me tonight. <laughs> I'm 27, and I have that feeling already. Yeah. Like, I could go and do that basement show at the Ramada on Vermont, or I could just watch Lost again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I could relax after a hard day at work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, am I, I got a kid that wakes up anywhere from 545 to 645. What a piece so of shit. I that is know. bullshit. She's an asshole. Yeah. She is an asshole. How old is she? Uh, four. Oh. So she's still. Oh my god. The, the hipster. It gets worse oh. with this one, huh? Yep. Kids. Yep. What a waste of sperm, <laughs> hipsters. <laughs> it's how hipsters are made. Yeah. No, no man. We, no, man. we were miraculously born at a Yola Tango concert. Came out of the amps. <laughs> I crawled out of Gross. a vintage T-shirt pile. <laughs> um, do you? Did you ever do stand-up? No. Never did I did improv. Yeah. I was from the improv world in uh, Chicago. I never uh, was comfortable that much with being on stage alone. It's so funny I how didn't, I didn't it's really. so funny how divided people can get on the improv or sketch versus yeah, yeah. stand up thing where some people some people just love to be in the moment and then other people have to be characters. They can't go yeah, on stage yeah. and be themselves. And me, I'm a bad character on stage. I always will just pull off the wig and be like, all right, you know it's me. Uh, yeah. Here's what this bit's about. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, can't, I just can't. I'm the worst. What I'm going to do here I'll is put uh, this wig crooked. See? Uh, one, I mean, there were, it was two things not wanting to be, which I, like, I was talking to Brian Stack, who's a writer on the, who, uh, writer, a Conan writer who, came up with me in improv in Chicago and he said the same thing he's like I have no interest in being on stage by myself it's just like <laughs> I just it never appealed to me and I also coming up and it's probably early imprinted prejudice based on being uh, on training in improv 
the notion of like saying the same stuff over and over again. Oh yeah. That was like I was like, why the fuck would you want to do that? You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I think most stand-ups when they start kind of have this have that idea in their head where they're like, my set's gonna be different every time I go up. Yeah. And then you realize, A, you it fucking can't. run out of material. Yeah, yeah. And B, there is a craft to like whittling stuff down right. into its most essential parts and then tagging it off and, and making, making it. Making it seem fresh every time. Yeah. By the way, tagging it off is a great uh, phrase for something. I don't know what it's going to be, but I like the phrase tagging <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it off. It sounds very masturbatory. It is a little yeah. masturbatory. Are you tagging well, that, one off in there? Stand up is. tagging one off? Stand-up is very masturbatory. But it yeah. almost sounds feminine. She's tagging one off in tagging there. Tagging one off. Because it just sounds like a slap a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like playing the washboard. Sure. Yeah. Playing the washboard. A friend of mine um, in New York, who, who, who actually he's from Canada, and he has a brother who's a stand-up comedian, so he's familiar with him. We were having lunch, my wife and, and he and I were having lunch, and a guy that we know who's a stand-up comedian came up and said hello and stood talking to us. And it was a fairly benign conversation, but he walked away, and my friend David said, uh, is he a stand-up comedian? Oh, that's the worst. And, uh, and we said, yeah, why? And he said, oh, it was just that he's sort of dripping with hostility. <laughs> oh, that's, wow, that's really perceptive. I, you know, because I was used to the other guy, I was like, he did, it didn't seem that unusual to me. He's like, yeah, yeah, he seems really hostile. That's actually not... I thought you were going a different direction with that, which is... Um, the what? He was going to bit a bunch. You're doing bit. bits. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, where, yeah. where you can tell if a comic is trying to steer something in the direction of a bit that they want to try yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, you guys. Uh, it's great that you saw Avatar. Um, hey, have you had salads lately? <laughs> What's going on with <laughs> yeah, salads? I have salads. There's, there's, nothing, the there's nothing worse. Oh, that's terrible. There's nothing yeah. worse than being a comic and then have, and saying something and having someone go, Wait, are you doing a bit right now? Yeah. Like you feel so exposed. You're, it makes yeah, you feel yeah. like you're not allowed to be funny in conversation <laughs> anymore. Jonah and I in New York, Jonah would have to keep saying, "By the way, this is not a bit." I'm just, I'm just Disclaimer. It's like I want to just hang out and have fun conversation right. with my friends like I have my entire life before I ever to comedy. Right. And then like I remember like even the friends I had at the time when I was living in San Pedro, I had friends and then I started doing stand up and then like I would just hang out the exact same way I always did, but then they would have to stop me. I was like, Are you trying to, is this material? Are you trying to do bits? Oh. I was like, I'm, I'm the same way. Like yeah, it just yeah. it's really infuriating. They're just they're Which just Which reminds me. Have you guys are- <laughs> That's Jonah's stage voice. You guys haven't been to San Pedro. (laughs) Man, is it crazy. Man, that means St. Peter in English. What's up with that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, That Leo Carrillo Aquarium. (laughs) (laughs) Cabrillo. Oh, Cabrillo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cabrito. (laughs) I remember remember before... before uh, the UCB opened up in uh, Los Angeles, there was a huge separation between improv and stand-up mm-hmm. and sketch people. Like they didn't really even hang out that much. They re- un- re- UCB reunited the crystal. Seemed, well, when UCB opened up here, it was <laughs> almost like the, the epicenter happened, where and everyone the... started hanging yeah, out, yeah. and there was like that appreciation. Well, and... but the, and that, but that's also uh, well, I, it's kind of the way the UCB people are. I think they also sort of bridge that gap. Because I, I was when I was talking to Stack about this the other day about stand up in Chicago because it used to be in Chicago it was a very separate crowd and I only knew a couple people that overlapped. One of them was Brian McCann and one of them was Matt Besser and Matt Besser is one of the founders of UCB. Yeah. So um, I don't think Amy ever did stand up, but I think Ian Roberts did and Matt Walsh has. 
So they kind of, you know, to them it was all one thing. It was just comedy. Yeah, That's yeah. what I like about like yeah. UCB and comedy like right now, where it's just, it's just all about comedy. It's just about yeah. making funny things as yeah. opposed to this is my thing or this is. I don't, and I don't think of Chicago as a stand up culture. I definitely, when I think of Chicago, I think sketch and improv culture. Yeah. But uh, a lot of good stand ups are coming out from Chicago right now, like Bronger and Kyle Kinane and so Oh, man, they're so fucking funny. But yeah. Ky- both their albums are amazing. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Kinane uh, and Matt Bronger, you guys should check out uh, if you. Haven't already. I assume they're just at Kyle Kinane, and then is Bronger just Bronger? Or I think it's just Bronger. Bronger, yeah. Bronger. And uh, Dion, Dion Cole, who works on our show, is, uh, or who worked on our show, is, is from Chicago and is very funny, too. He's oh, that's cool. I don't know those other guys. Because they don't work on the same TV show I work on. <laughs> I only, uh, I don't really believe in that anything exists outside my show. Yeah. So, well, I just, there might uh, be other stuff. No, it's just that I don't like to actually have to work to get to know things. <laughs> I like them to just come present themselves to me. I like them to just uh, lay, lay, make a nest in my brain. And, pretty uh, much. So, well, I, so I get information. You know. That's why I'm all about Miley Cyrus right now. Yeah, oh, it's part really, of the USA. I didn't have song. to do any work. I just. You know, what I'm realizing recently is that there's, I feel like, and maybe maybe there was a lot of bad art in our culture when I was younger, um, but I just didn't realize it because I was young and I, I didn't know any better. <laughs> but 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 I feel like there's this kind of overall. Um, uh, vibe of convenience and laziness, like extra in America, and it doesn't just—it's it, like you see it across all sectors, like fast food, like Walmart, everything being in one place. And then with the art that people consume, like a, like a Lady Gaga song to me is the laziest. Like as a listener, you don't have to think about it at all. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because it's just that good. It's right. That's what you're whoa, saying. Whoa, whoa! I'm sorry. Did you wait? Uh, did I misconstrue everything you were about to say? Is this where you say that you break the news in the podcast that you're a Lady Gaga fan? No, I'm just saying that sometimes it can be catchy. Because I could use something I, to get off of the day. <laughs> no, no. Um, what, what made me realize that the poker face song is catchy is when uh, uh, Cartman from South Park sang it. And first, I was like, it's not that bad. I had to yeah, have yeah. Cartman sing it, but I was like, it is. I, it's, I, it's, I like Lady Gaga. It's catchy think- like ball herpes is catchy like <laughs> it's catchy in that way we're like fuck it's in my head here's what i here's the thing about lady, Ga- lady gaga i can't stand her music but she as a character i am fascinated by and i think it's a i think it's a stroke of genius i yeah. think her yeah. her presentation you know like you know like I, I i think it's nice to see performers having these big characters that people can get it but the music is i mean to me it just makes me angry well it's well, not for you what's helpful to you exactly. why not what's why isn't helpful? everything for me i want the entire industry <laughs> to bend to my likes <laughs> I got a nine-year-old kid who really likes Lady Gaga, and not because she's weird, because he listens to music. He's starting to listen to music, and he's starting to choose music. It's got to be kind of fun and scary at the same time, right? Uh, no. What the fuck do I care? You know, I mean, (laughs) he can he can have his taste in whatever he wants. It's like you know, I don't. Oh, oh, so you're a good dad. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I don't. As long as he's on the soccer field at 6 a.m. I mean, he listens, you know, he listens largely and has his whole life to the music that my wife and I choose. But now that he wants to, you know, when we get in the car and I'm driving him to school, if he wants to listen to Hits 1 on Sirius, you know, he can listen to the Hits 1 station. And for me, it's interesting because it's just... I haven't listened to Top 40 radio in 30 years or whatever it is. And, Who's the uh, hipster now? And it's, huh? Who's the hipster now? <laughs> but uh, I shut off at age 25 and I don't like anything new. But it's <laughs> also infuriating too. You know, it's like how stupid things are and how bad they are. And like some of the songs that are just so sexist. And, and I'm not even, you know, I think 
you know, sexism has its place. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> like in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. like in the workplace yeah. or in personal relationships. And I mean male and female sexism. Um, I can't believe that you can get fired for demanding that your assistant blow you. That is beyond me. I'd do it for her, your honor. <laughs> As Sterling um, Cooper taught us nothing. Uh, but uh, like Lady Gaga, I think what's... I really appreciate her. Number one, the songs aren't, you know, of the other shit that's on pop radio, it's genius in comparison. (laughs) And, uh, And she just, you know, she's become really popular. She can sing. She can play piano, which are like quantifiable talents that almost everyone else in music lacks. Isn't that funny that and we're... And she's that, just going to be a fucking weirdo. Isn't, yeah. isn't it funny that we're at a point where all a pop star has to do is show, like, a, because of, like, Britney Spears, to show a modicum of talent? Yeah. You're like, yeah. And I think she writes some of her own songs. Like, well, she yeah. writes songs and she can sit and play the piano and improvise on the piano. And, all right, I think I might be uh, I think I might be shifting you know? my opinion on Gaga Gates. Yeah, Wait, yeah. She can, uh, but also, she can just impro- look at those costumes that she wears. Yeah. It's fantastic that somebody's that weird yeah. it's gonna be like let herself basically be the plaything of the weirdest gayest men on earth like <laughs> well, dress me up fellas okay it's kind of blondie it's a little it's a little blondie yeah yeah, yeah. like the weird the, the, the hot girl who's not afraid to be weird yeah, yeah. is she hot i actually she's don't even know what lady gaga looks, looks, like. Like. She looks, uh, she looks like she looks like marilyn manson of- right no, she Whoa. Looks, no, I don't like, know. She's like Italian. I mean, Marilyn Manson with those it's those fantastic. weird, bizarre uh, man tits that he had on that kind of during the uh, uh, androgynous. Era. Yeah, I don't know. I saw like, one thing like, a, she, like a, just a, a, a genitalless space that he had <laughs> down there. I saw a side by side picture, and she was dressed up exactly like Marilyn Manson for something I can't remember. <laughs> well, she just well, looks kind she of looks fun. Italian. Yeah, she why not? Like yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, she's Italian, but she's, uh, you know, I think. She, I think I she's attractive. Be, I, I, she's yeah, pretty. I she's pretty, but she's also like she's very Italian looking. And uh-huh. other, she's got like a big nose. <laughs> <laughs> Those big. I'm half Italian, so I can say that Italians have large noses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all right. I have a side of the family that is that is. Well endowed in the nose uh, department, <laughs> and that if you could fuck people with your nose, that would be a bragging right. But as you it can, turns, really, you can, yeah, yeah, really. Here, turn off the machine. I'll show you. All right, get the crank. Hit the levers. When I say three, I wish. All right, we're back. I've been nose fucked by Andy Richter, which is the title of my biography. It looked weird. <laughs> I couldn't tell which fluid. I can't. Was Im- I can't imagine. Not, Wait, not a bad weird. So you more, got a- more tears than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It burns your eyes when you get up yeah, the sex yeah. juice in your eyes. And also, I did sex it good. Juice. Yeah, I did it good. <laughs> Give me some of that sex juice. Yeah, I just the cut to the moment of you like. Like going in and out with your nose, mm-hmm. and like, is there? You, you would kind of go, wait, how did I get here? Like, <laughs> you, I don't know if there's it, never that moment. Being mid nose no, fuck, no, no, no? no. What you do, don't what, have time. It's people, all hot. People yeah. get into weird. I like. I wonder how. It's just like a, just smacking up against your face, <laughs> and your nose is about to break. Yeah. How how do fetishes start though? I've always wondered. Like, what makes you get to a certain point to where that's like something you want to try? People are obviously not that good at jerking off. Yeah, <laughs> and I must be a freaking genius because I. Do. <laughs> You don't, don't, you, don't need much. Much. you don't need don't to need get much. nose fucked. Yeah. I don't need a hairbrush in my ass. I'm fine. <laughs> How'd you break your nose? 
Those fucking incidents. <laughs> Another one? Oh, oh boy. Here Reminds we go the time again. I had mine. Oh, you too? Oh, let's start a club website. By the way, my I, pin I number's cock. What's yours? <laughs> oh, I just did my one of my pet peeves. You don't say pin number. Oh, it makes me so mad. I Why? can't remember the last time. Because number is part of the oh, acronym. right, right. It's like yeah. saying, first identification number, number. <laughs> ATM machine, machine. What's wrong with that? It's irritating. <laughs> it's redundant. It is WTF a cultural fuck. redundancy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever say RSVP, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you could say that because you would, because you would say, s'il vous plaît. So you could say, please, just to drop the English on a motherfucker. Just let drop him know. The English just let him know you're going to come to the shit out of his party. <laughs> just so you know, we're clear. This is in America. Out of his, <laughs> his, out of his motherfucking black tie function. <laughs> out of his uh, weird uh, Kubrickian uh, eyes wide shut sex club where people are nose fucking each other. <laughs> they did nose fuck each other, yeah, I think. Masks. Yeah. Did nice. they? I think so. Oh, awesome. Or am I just thinking of Clockwork Orange? Boy, Kubrick loved nose fucking. I think we uncovered something interesting today. Wow. Let's, let's, let's watch Kubrick's classic. I'm going to give I'm going to So from now on, if, you're, if, if you give someone the Kubrick or you're think, Kubricking I, means to nose fuck someone. I think someone. Hal nose fucked Dave. You think that's what yeah, happened? it probably happened. What are you doing, Dave? <laughs> this is highly irregular. <laughs> <laughs> there was yes. no dialogue in the you movie. You know there was nose fucking. All work and no nose fucking makes Jack a dull boy. No. <laughs> A classic, a classic line from. A movie. Yeah, that's what it was, right? I haven't seen it in forever. I just remember, I just remember, uh, you know, the guy from Wings was in the TV remake. Stephen Weber. <laughs> yes. I saw him. On he changed late his name to the guy from Wings. I went to you know. late night the night he was promoting that movie when I was in New York. Went, oh, really? That's, that's when Stephen Weber was on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Do you remember that? Have you ever seen Late Night with Conan O'Brien? I think uh, I think I would have been on the show then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago. Good times. But oh, Matt, Matt bought some... Uh, when I did the Jimmy, I do, I do Jimmy Fallon show a couple weeks ago. I, I hope this doesn't make you feel bad. But when we, when we were in the NBC building, Matt's like, do you have any Conan O'Brien stuff left? And the guy's like... That's uh, on the clearance table. Yeah, so as, he bought he bought Conan stuff. He like brought me and Jonah like we were going to a speakeasy. Yeah, he's, he's like, like he's like, on. oh, right this way. Wait, uh, was it Tonight Show with Conan stuff? Yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And it's but it would be it's smart to buy it up. Yeah, that's what know? we got. I got you know a shirt. Uh, I got some magnets. Uh, but the weirdest part if was if I like, had known it, I would have because it was a whole box of hoodies. I would have just loaded up my car with hoodies, you know? Yeah, if you ever work on a show, you got to save that stuff. Like the, That's like those early Warner Brothers guys, like Chuck Jones, just sending out cells to people yeah, for Christmas cards. And then, you know, and then they're worth uh, yeah. shitloads of the money. Weird, what were you going to say? I oh, I think it was just the weirdest part about the kid that was taking us to the uh, the stuff was like, uh, what are you doing in town? We're like, oh, we're, well, uh, what do you do in L.A.? It's like, oh, I, I ride on a show. He's like, oh, yeah? I'm an uh, I'm an actor, writer, poet. No. Uh, and then I and then I said, oh, you forgot to mention uh, NBC Experience Store worker. <laughs> um, and then he told me he was in the movie Elephant. He was you the photographer in the mention. movie Elephant. So. You forgot to mention. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a poem for you. Well, I like he felt sad. it was self-evident. You know? <laughs> I mean, he didn't need to say that. He didn't need to say, you know, that he was male so, either. <laughs> I'm an actor, poet, photographer. Do you want some more Blurg magnets from 30 Rock? <laughs> Spelled with a U. Who knew? <clears throat> Pardon me for coughing. I'll okay. S- I'll snip that part out. Mm. You will. And then you'll be referring to it, and I'll be referring to it. Remember when you coughed earlier? Don't give me snay. Um, you see any movies lately? You like? I never see any movies. Wait, quiet. What's going on? Can you keep it down? Be really real work? quiet. I'll turn this up, and they can hear it. Hang on. You think they can? You think they can hear the? Uh... Okay, we could totally be listening to an executive meeting at the E Studios mm-hmm. right now. 
And that's why I think web soup should go on for never. <laughs> oh my god, that's not where I thought that was going. That took a hard left turn at the end. I, I, I gotta run to Comedy Central. I think the only way to fix our problems is a calling. <laughs> here's my here's here's a fun Andy Richter story. We were in San Francisco doing match game mm-hmm. at the that uh, Jimmy Pardo hosted. Uh, it, it was a revamp of the seventies. Well, it wasn't called match what game. Does he it was call called it now? Game Show Explosion. That's I right. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was essentially matching answers with uh, with the word blank. And I was sitting in front of Andy Richter in a minivan, and he would grab a hold of the the chair recliner thing and. And keep doing this on my seat. So I was going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And so after like 10 minutes, it was so funny. You were so resigned. You're like, I'm sorry. I'm an infant. <laughs> I just loved, I loved that experience. I'll sit in front of you any day. All and right. you, can, uh, you can recline my seat as much as, as, much as you feel like. That's Would you weird. ever you ever think about doing a more, because uh, I really liked uh, Andy Barker, P.I. Oh, thank and you. also Andy Richter Controls the Universe was one of my favorite shows when, uh, when it was out. What about quintuplets? <laughs> never mind. It's a, I'm sorry. It's a guy who's never satisfied. Well, you didn't mention on, the, was that. Was that before you, you played mention- quintuplets on Arrested Development, or was that? Yeah, it was a direct like joke being done right. by the guys at Arrested Development. All right. But at that point, so they were funny. they. I think they already knew they weren't coming back, so they were just writing whatever shit they <laughs> came to mind at My favorite 10 p.m. Was the stunt double brother. Yeah, <laughs> you're in total control. <laughs> <laughs> what was the experience? What was it? What was it? What? How did they shoot rest of development? Was it? Uh, was was there a lot of uh, improv or was it? Um, no, no, there wasn't a lot of improv. I mean, I think. There's never, I don't know, I don't, I've don't. i never been on something where it's like, it's totally improvised, just people going crazy. <laughs> not I've even Talladega Nights? I mean, yeah, but I mean, but it's always within a little, it's not like you just go, you guys are in here, you just found out your mother's dead, go. <laughs> like, there's, ne- it's never like that. Make it there'll funny. Be sort of, out, right? Yeah, there'll be like a hole, like, uh, like there's a, and it, it ended up getting cut from the movie, but there was, in the movie Semi-Pro, I had to react to. There's a scene where I think uh, Will Ferrell is firing me because he just wants he wants to sell my desk. He says, "Clean out your desk," because he's trying to make money, so he's going to sell my desk. And I had to react hurt and angry at being fired. So I just did a different thing each time. So you know, like different things, like I cannot go back to the Coast Guard, you know, just <laughs> stuff like that. But it was like that was where. But I got to go back out, in the, you know, because I made an entrance into the into the locker room. So I got to go back in the hallway and sit there and think of another one, and then do another one. And I was trying to like break people up, you know. That's always a little yeah. bit fun. But that's the most I ever see of improvising. I've never been on a Robin Williams movie, you know. Like, like there will be <laughs> oh, a hole chair. That, yeah. oh well, bottle of water, like a Give hole that you can fill, and then that's you know. That's sort of it. And Arrested Development, it was all written out. I mean, all the sort of, you know, because especially with the voiceover having to tie it all together, it's all, well, it's it all been, moves really fast. Yeah, that's true because the storylines were so intricate the way that everything had to come back around. That yeah, yeah. You couldn't, you can't really improvise. And the jokes were so solid. You know, you I mean, just unfucking believable That yeah. show, I miss that show. Yeah, it was yeah. good. There was, there was, I, uh, <laughs> the, one of uh, the scenes that I had, one of the brothers that I had to play is sort of, uh, well, I think it was supposed to be the real me, mm-hmm. like the real me, um, who, they, who was written as like an angry, uh, bitter loser. And uh, I go to see my brother 
me, who's a very, you know, like very soft-spoken, very supportive guy, um, at uh, Michael Sarah's school. I don't remember his character's name. George Michael. George, at George Michael's school. And, um And I go, and he's, George, I think Jason Bateman's talking to my teacher character, and the real me comes up, and I want to talk to my brother, and Jason Bateman asks me if I'll come to some fundraiser. And I go, all right, well, tell my brother I'll be in the in the cafeteria waiting for him. And, and when, he, when he says, like, oh, and I say, like, is there a free dinner involved? And he says, yeah. And I say, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> Tell my brother I'll be waiting in the cafeteria. And the direct, the, somebody running the product, like the, the writer that ran the, the shoot, uh, the producer, um, I didn't know him, but he kept wanting, he kept telling the director to sell the jokes of, like, oh, is there a meal involved? Oh, all right, I'll, I'll be there. Um, and I'll be waiting in the, tell my brother I'll be waiting in the cafeteria. He wanted me to sell those jokes as I'm so fat. Right. That food is like crack to me. Like it would be to a crackhead. Which must feel really good, right? The director came up to me and tried to explain it to me a couple of times. uh, And it took a couple of times for me to realize what he was getting at. Uh, and I, and I was like, oh, I was like, okay, all right, fine. And I did a trick that I learned uh, working on a terrible movie with Terrence Stamp in which he was given uh, directions that he didn't agree with. And he went like, oh, yes, I see. And then did exactly what he wanted. Yes. General And then they come back and they go and they come and say, oh, I don't know if you're understanding. You should do it this way. He goes, oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And then they go again and he do exactly what he wanted until the director just went, all right, fine, let's move on. (laughs) And so I decided, I mean, I'll do whatever I'm told, except if it's to like, do the fatty loves to eat joke. Right, right, right. And I was like, and he came, and I did it again, and he came up, and he's like, and he's like really explicit, and I said, I'm not going to do that. And, he, and, I, and I just said, I said, no. And he laughed. He's like, no one's ever just said no before to me. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sell the joke that way. And then the producer guy came over, and he starts telling me how he wants to do it. And I said, oh, you mean like I'm so fucking fat that, uh, <laughs> that I just love to eat, and that any, any opportunity to shove food in my fat fucking face... Is what really and Bateman's standing there loving it, and I'm like, oh, you mean any chance to shove fat food in my fat fucking face? That's what I'm doing here. Like I'm a desperate fucking animal who just needs food in his fat face. Yeah, yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, sure, no problem. Go sit down, you'll see. Yeah, 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 like yeah. that. That's good because I always took it as you just wanted a free meal. Like yeah, yeah. exactly, and that's it's what funny. I was playing, and that was funny. what I felt was. I mean, it's that's not like funny. I was that's just a being a baby. Joke, yeah. It's a funnier joke that the my career has declined yeah. to the point where it's like, oh, a meal, all right, sure, yeah. why not? I'll be there, exactly. you know. But no, they wanted. Oh, uh, tell my brother I'll be in the cafeteria, sweating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Put more cream, fat sweat on his brow. Cream pie. <laughs> he needs to look fatter. He needs to look fatter. Uh, yeah. Did I tell Did I tell the Dan Schneider story on this podcast yet? My buddy Dan Schneider, who was on head of the class, uh-huh. uh huh, and we worked. Is together. He the, does he have something to do with iCarly? Yeah, he created the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Dan has created like pretty much every live action hit show for, for Nickelodeon. Yeah, like Nickelodeon. All that yeah, yeah. the Amanda Bynes show. I think he might have done Drake and John. I know this because I did a cartoon in Nickelodeon, not because I watched. Creepily watch kids programs. I do. Someday do. you're going to be old enough, iCarly. Someday. <laughs> um, Not that long. <laughs> really, just a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Stick around. Whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, Your Honor, she's 16 yeah. now, but uh, think of it as me borrowing yeah. against a mortgage. And Your Honor. 
your honor, you know she is cruising headlong into mental illness. Uh, come on. And who is more sexually available I'm just than the to, mentally ill? I'm just trying to coast that bird in for a landing. You can call me the Sully Sullenberg, a young pussy. He's using the come on dude defense, and it's really working. The come on dude defense. Well, Dan, Dan is a, is a crazy smart Funny guy, and he's, yeah. you know, super snarky and really he funny. He was on Saved by the Bell? Who was he on? No, this? he was on Head of the Class. Or Head of the Class. Yeah. And who was he on that? He played the big guy. Oh, uh, right, anyway, right. He, Dennis. Dennis was yeah, the character. Yeah. And so he, I just have a weird memory for for. He's the guy that sat in the back with a computer. The and he was like computer. the snarky, yeah. he was like the funny guy in the room. So he gets cast in the show, and he's like, finally, I get cast to be funny and not the fat guy. Because up to that point, he played a bunch of fat guys. Yeah. So he's super psyched. He's thrilled about the, about the job. Um, the show initially was much different than what it ended up becoming. Yeah. Uh, and first day he shows up, he has the wardrobe fitting, and they hand him cargo pants. And the wardrobe says very earnestly, the wardrobe and goes, So your pants have a lot of pockets in them, you know, for snacks and things. And he was just, like, it just instantly Bro. took the wind out of his sails. He was like, oh, my God, again? Snacks and yeah. things. For snacks and things. Do you think it was just a benign comment on hers? On her part, or do you think it was because he then it was found written into the script. that it was an entire it, there was an entire institutional directive? <laughs> I think Make it, sure he eats. <laughs> I think it was just sort of that that kind of bummer moment of like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you see me as the fat guy, but uh, yeah, yeah. How, do, how do you feel about the Billy Conley years of head of the class? Um, I don't know. Let's find out. Who cares? I'll give him a call. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I could go to my grave not knowing Those were that. dark years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy, we're going to find out about this whole Billy Connolly. No, I like Billy. I, I worked with him once, and he's a super, super great, great guy. Apparently, there's these stories where Billy Connolly and Kevin Nealon and Steve Martin sit around and play the banjo with each other. Wow. Just one banjo. One giant banjo. Uh, one uh, did this, the the you know the chords, and one did the bottom four strings, and the other guy did the top fifth That's string. That's how hard a banjo is to yeah, play. Exactly. You need three world-class comedians. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Ray and Jimmy Vaughn used to do that in concert. Yeah, they did. Yeah, what double to. up on the one guitar? Yeah, the Fabulous Thunderbirds would open for Stevie Ray Vaughn, and they would they would switch back very quickly. Cause they're from, tough enough. <laughs> That's a song they wrote. Um, when you're improvising, this is what I this is my when you're improvising, or you know, if you're like you said in semi pro, you you know you got to go in with a different choice every time just to fuck around, right? What do you do when you're, and then I think this is a question a lot of performers would love, what do you do when your brain hits that wall where you just fucking hit the wall where you're like, there's nothing else comedy that's going to come out of this brain right now. I'm tired. I'm out of choices. Yeah. Do you, I mean, because I know, I know the UCB, like that kind of Chicago improv directive is like, don't think, just say whatever, you know. That's that's more the UCB one. The Chicago Improv Olympic would be more like think, 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 think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Because Del Close was super. I mean, the sort of Del Close's, I think, ideal of improv is lots of referential stuff about very arcane topics. Did you work with Del? Was, yeah, I, I I was in some classes that he taught, and that part of it was good in the '60s and the early '70s, but I don't think it relate so much now like people don't like the fact that you know enough to reference Canterbury Tales or a very specific detail (laughs) from Canterbury Tales or you know the latest Lancet medical journal you know though it it those things people don't give a shit. I blame. Anymore, I blame. I blame the internet. Yeah, because in the sixties and seventies, you actually had to go to a library and look stuff up. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like, 
Oh, great. You know Canterbury Tales. I have the internet, too. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Yeah, they yeah, say, yeah. like, uh, Wikipedia is Hollywood's ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> I have a weird back and forth. With, uh, someone made a Wikipedia page for me. I would claim it if it were me. I would be honest. But I did not make it. And I have this... I just gave up. But I have this weird, fun back and forth game with someone I made a Wikipedia page where they keep planting a fake brother named Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and they keep assigning him different roles. Like... And at one time, he played football for, like, the Chicago Bears or something. And then, and then so I, I kind of went, and I'm like, yeah, I better take this off. And then they replaced it with... It sounds like somebody, a friend of yours fucking It sounds like, like someone, yeah, yeah, yeah someone yeah. fucking with me. And, and he has a different job every time, this fake brother, Peter. And I've started being asked in interviews, like, so I understand you have a brother, Peter, who also <laughs> does stand-up. I'm like, no, that's, yeah, you, yeah. that's, you, that's Wikipedia. <laughs> the only reason I what's have, it like to be the brother of a murderer? <laughs> Well, it's um, it's Wikipedia. It's Wikipedia. <laughs> Hard so Wikipedia, Wikipedia, which is fake. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, the only reason I have a Wikipedia page is because, uh, like, as a prank, Dan Mintz uh, created one for me, and to just like put my real last name and like put like all this information about Hawaii, and then just w- delved into how I uh, committed suicide. <laughs> 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 and he didn't tell me about it. I found I came across it because someone sent it to me. He's like, "Hey, you're on Wikipedia." And I was like, "Oh, huh. oh, 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 my oh. God." <laughs> Uh, yeah, do your parents know about it? They're not going to stumble across it, are they? No, they don't know how to Google it. Oh, anything. well, there you go. Yeah. They'll they, wonder how they can get to it through... Uh, you I know. heard you killed yourself. Is this true? <laughs> You're talking to me right now. I know. Are you dead? No, my voice. I'm talking. This is real time. <laughs> oh. I thought maybe this was some time vortex and your voice was trapped in some kind of electronic consciousness. Mom? Oh, Mom, for the first time, I appreciate the words you say. <laughs> So I, I just want to have the, I want to have a James Lipton moment. Uh, Andy, if your Wikipedia overview could mm. say anything, mm. what would it say? Mm. Wait, keep going. I'm still jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> if my could have an overview, you don't have to answer that question seriously. Oh, I was, no, I, w- I was just trying be, to be um, a serious journalist for a second. A Caucasian male <laughs> with a voice <laughs> into water sports. No, I, uh, <laughs> something like that. You mean like water polo, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Golden water polo. Yeah. Well, water water, what's the gold? I don't understand. Water skiing on piss. <laughs> I, I'm, could you clear could you make that clear? <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's what I'd do guys, with my millions. That's the golden parachute. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd do with my millions, make a water skiing lake filled with piss. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? You know what's funny is that there would be people who would make that happen. You'd have an agent who'd be like, Yeah, he wants to fucking water he wants to water ski on piss. What's yeah. the problem? Make it happen. I don't understand it. It's not for me to understand. It's for me to make it happen. When you started working and making money, what's the most uh, extravagantly weird thing you blew a, a, a lot of money on that you just had to have? Was there anything? Uh, the thing that comes to mind is a uh, a shearling coat that uh, it, it was I got from Gucci. Uh-huh. Which number one, the fact that Gucci had anything to fit me was amazing to me. Uh, I had I got it in Chicago. I found it in Chicago because there's fat people in Chicago. So Gucci has got insulated a hard winter. Fat people, but it's this uh, shearling coat that. Uh, that the le- you know like a shearling coat is normally the leathers on the outside and yeah. then like where it's sewn the little bits of shearling will pop out and it'll be around the edges it's the opposite so the leathers on the inside to so the outside of the coat it looks like a coat made out of teddy bear yes. fabric and uh, I think at the time it was like three thousand dollars which was just absurd well they've come down um, a lot now <laughs> um, no I mean it's still it's still absurd but it'd probably be like twelve thousand right. dollars now. 
Um, and I still have it. And I used to wear it, but it was, it's pretty fucking, it looks like a pimp coat. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and technically it's not really fur. So I, I hope I'll never get, oh, I haven't worn it in years living in LA. I, you know, I carry my own coat with me. All I, listen, if you would just want to consider when you guys start doing the show again, right? Wear the coat on every show. Make it your thing. I'd have to be in a refrigerated chamber. <laughs> a chamber. What's the problem yeah. with that? Watch Andy sweat. You guys, have, you guys, have you guys talked about what the new show uh, is going to be? Is it going to be? Not at all. Honestly, not at all. No. Uh, I'm sure Conan's been thinking about it, and I've been thinking about it, but it's like, it's not. When, when he and I get together, we don't talk about stuff like that, you know, really. I mean, we've been talking about the live show, um, and that's pretty much consuming all our attention is what the hell that's going to be. Um, and then, and then he and I don't talk about the next TV show other than to say sort of him to go, well, it's going well with them. I don't know what's going to happen. And you know, it looks better. It looks more positive than negative. You still got that coat? Yeah. <laughs> I got a refrigerator gag. I'm wearing it right now, daddy. How did you guys, um, <laughs> how did you guys, how did you get involved with the show initially? Did you, were you already friends or did they? N- no, uh, I knew Robert Smigel, who I'd met through a, a mutual friend. Uh, here, I was in LA doing a show, doing a show called The Real Live Brady Bunch that we saw. Yeah. Oh, yes. I saw yeah, The Real yeah. Live Brady Bunch of the Westwood Playhouse. Yeah. And I was in that. And uh, I played Mike Brady in that. And that was something we started in Chicago, some dopey show that we started there. I did see that with you in it. And I just did not connect the pieces until yep. now because I was in, I think I might have been in, it was early 90s, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. in college at the time. And um, it was, uh, I was also, the, there was an, a game show that preceded the real live Brady Bunch. And I was the announcer in the game show and then played Mike Brady and uh, was out here. That summer, we would have been the summer of 92, Mm -hmm. I believe, and met Robert Smigel, like I said, through this mutual friend of mine who had worked on SNL, and just hung out and had fun and went out for drinks and stuff, and then a few months later, he he called me and said, and we hadn't talked for a few months, and by that time, I had left the Brady Bunch and was out here working on the movie Cabin Boy, Mm -hmm. and uh, he called me and said, I'm going to, and I'd heard about letterman's replacement being this guy conan o'brien um just on the news and stuff and i remember i went to jeff garland taped a pilot uh in the old desilu studio which is over on las palmas i think uh just below like by the del taco at highland santa Monica. oh yeah 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 that's yeah, yeah. literally like tranny hooker central yes yeah. exactly yeah yeah but that's where desilu was wait tranny hooker Tranny. Oh, oh no. no. All that money. <laughs> God, I just oh, let no. him nose fuck How many times me? have yeah. I, You're how many times have I told you chicks, chicks don't wear cups? Oh. <laughs> um, they shit in them. <laughs> they shit in them. But uh, <laughs> <Douge>. <laughs> they, uh, Jeff Garland did this pilot, and I sat in front of uh, Bob Odenkirk and Carol Leifer yes. as they talked all about this guy Conan taking over the job. And this was like two days after Conan was announced. So I found out, oh, they know who Conan is. And Bob, I knew Bob knew, really knew Conan. Um, and then uh, Robert said, you want to meet Conan? I'm going to be head riding on his show. Um, and he was out here working on The Simpsons. He and I met at Junior's Deli and, and just hit it off and, I wrote some material and, and uh, was the first writer hired on on the late night show. Back in this would have been 
It was in 93, I think like March of 93. 93. Yeah. A young Eddie Vedder taught us grunge. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard way. Fucking, man. Well, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that, so, that I mean, I always together. say we would have... We figured out, too, that we were both at a party at Bob Odenkirk's house about... Because I knew Bob because I'd been on an improv team with a woman that he was seeing at the time. And uh, they lived together in an apartment. Oh, you were in the Bob Odenkirk fuckers? <laughs> <laughs> no. That was a great improv team. <laughs> kind of redundant. Uh, but uh, so I I knew Bob through that connection, and I, and I went to his... I went to a party at Bob's house... Uh, when I was here doing Cabin Boy. And Conan was there, too, but I just didn't meet him at that party, and we figured that out a few years after knowing each other. So eventually, I'm sure we would have ended up knowing each other. Yeah. You know, like, because we know, we already knew so many people in common that, you know, well, things would have interceded. What was the, uh, the, the, but you were just hired as a writer. When was it, when was the decision made to, like, have you just be? It was always kind of floating around in there, I think. I think... Yeah. I mean, I've never asked specifically, Robert, like, how much did you think of me being the sidekick? And, I, and I've been asked the question, so I always think, I guess I should ask him so I know for sure, like, if they thought, at what point they thought, you'd make a good sidekick. Um, because it kind of snuck up on me. I wasn't thinking about it. But he and I played well together and would fuck around in the office a lot. And I just, you know, we complimented each other uh, kind of just naturally comedically and so we were kind of doing bits around the office anyway and the first time that Conan did it sort of like a practice thing which was basically just turning when they start a show like this the first I mean you probably experienced this they just put you in front of the camera and you sit there and they change lights and you know that's that's the most grueling day yeah I mean for for like not that it's a hard day, but right. you know, but you will sit for like four hours, yeah. just in one place while they adjust lights, adjust and lights, they, yeah, and yeah. look at it, and people are in another room judging how you're looking. Yeah. And it's and probably then, harder than building a railroad. It's probably a lot <laughs> harder than building harder. a railroad. Much harder. I mean, I'm not know. going out on a limb when I say yeah. that it's it's harder than chipping. And probably rocks more dead, more dead Chinese too. Way more. <laughs> yeah. more di- have died in lighting yes. schematics. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got those shoes off a dead Chinese. <laughs> Back from the, the two, two, three. three. From the first time that he was out there, Robert said to me, he's got to sit out there for a while. Go sit next to him. And then the next thing that he did, he like interviewed one of the PAs. And, but, and this was all not even on our stage. This was in 8H because our stage wasn't finished yet. Mm-hmm. This was up on Saturday Night Live on Bob Costas's later set. Yes. And, uh, and then they had him do a cooking demonstration and stuff. But I always was hanging out there. You know, like I always was sitting next to him or hanging out nearby. And then as it came time to the sh- do the show, Robert said to me, called me, came into my office and said, hey, do you want to be like the sidekick on the show? Holy shit. And, uh, and I'm, I'm such an asshole. I was like, because we had had this notion that we were going to be like, a hybrid of sketch and talk show, yeah, and that we would have a recurring cast of characters and play like the the co- late night with Conan O'Brien players, yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know. Does that mean I can't do sketchy kind of stuff too? <laughs> and, and then and the, and I was like, well, let me think about it and talk to my wife about it. And and then he left. Uh, although I wasn't married at the time, or, but he left and and. Uh, I was like instantly like, who the fuck am I kidding? Like, I'm going to say no. Right. Like, no. Like, you're guaranteed to be on TV every night. 
Do you want I that? Don't no, I don't know. I don't mean, know. I might I be been... able to be in sketches every now and then. I know. I've, been, <laughs> I've, I've had a lifelong dream to be a performer. Yeah. Right? I don't know if I really... And also, we quickly realized that the notion of doing a nightly sketch-type show was a fucking pipe dream yeah (laughs) at first we were like "Ah, forget topical humor and then like oh my god i hope michael jackson does something bad (laughs) was it hard was it hard the first year was the first year kind of hard oh yeah yeah yeah. just figuring out a lot of a lot of work we just jam-packed the show with comedy um which is amazing to me to just think about how much comedy we would do there was comedy in almost every act and a lot of like really produced comedy like you know five minute animated bits that were like stop motion claymation animated bits yeah, and yeah. Did you get remotes that we'd go shoot two days and come back and edit 12 hours for seven or eight minutes of screen I mean just crazy amount of work that no one is willing to do did anymore. you get a sense for how it was going because this was sort of pre everyone has internet so uh, did, you, did you get a sense no no did not kind of I mean, nice right it was stressful <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of nice well there was stuff in the paper you know but it was also crazy weren't they just like renewing you guys like week to week yeah they were at one point week to week and I guess there was one point where we were unofficially technically taken off the air Duh. on a Friday they told Conan got to live an entire weekend thinking that his show had been cancelled and then now he Monday, gets to live a life uh, like I know. that <laughs> thanks NBC now he knows for sure <laughs> but uh yeah, but they didn't, you know, Conan and Jeff Ross, our producer, never let anybody know all the, like, really ugly, you know, it's like they were the parents not letting us know that we we're any moment going to be evicted, you know, we just sort of <laughs> chugged along making the show and trying to, and but there was definite, there were points when it seemed to uptick, like there was a, one of the first to- things was uh, David Letterman came on the show and that mm-hmm. got of a lot of attention and he sort of gave us his papal blessing and, uh, and then our ratings just kept going up and up and up and up. And, uh, and uh, after a couple of years of not crashing and burning and failing, uh, and, and also, too, them not being able to get their shit together to find somebody re- to replace us, because they were trying to get Greg Kinnear to replace us, and they were taping secret, because he was on after us, and they were taping, like, secret hour-long oh, shows out that's here fucked up. That, were, that, that, were, that were tanking, that were shitty. We just would hear, like, in over the transom, oh, yeah, they, they taped some test shows, hour-long test shows with Kinnear, and they're awful. <laughs> and at the same time, he was becoming a movie star, so he, you know, he wasn't into the idea of it either. Well, it's just a test. So it's not just that we're so great. It's also that they didn't, yeah, but, you know. But it's a testament and something that does not exist much in the TV business anymore, which is and whether they did it by will or because they had nothing else to put on, they let your show grow. Yes. And, yes. you know, like now shows get like an episode, two episodes, and if they're not mega hits, they're fucking gone. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, you know, you're going to get more loyal fan base if you if you let a show develop a little bit, give it room to breathe and grow and get better. I mean, no show is amazing the first season, yeah. pretty much. You know, like it, like the first couple episodes of Arrested Development are still like, okay, I see where they're going, and then it gets amazing. But yeah. you know, if it didn't, if they didn't let that, bro, The Simpsons, like the first the first season of The Simpsons is almost unwatchable. Yeah, and well, <laughs> now it is. At the time, it still was. It was and pretty cutting edge, it was, and it's come and full circle. Yeah. yeah. No, I still like the Simpsons. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't want to dominate any more of your time. But Andy Richter, is there anything you want to promote? There's at least a, hundred, a couple hundred people that listen to this. <laughs> well, we're on tour, uh, I guess. That's, but I, you know, I think they're all sold out. So, um, so go fuck yourselves. Yeah, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> or uh, you know, uh, 
no, I guess I don't know. No, not really. You know, <laughs> well, if if you're if we come to your town, uh, you know, look around the at the Victor wagon stuff. is a coming down the street. <laughs> what can it be? Find for out what me? hotel I'm staying at and look up at the windows, and you might see the curtains drawn, and that'll be me. You just might see a pressed ham up yeah. against the glass. Yeah. Uh, is he nose fucking uh, someone? He's nose fucking someone. That's right. Um, well, You're awesome. a mayor. <laughs> what I, I do want people to know about you is that uh, you are a delightful and uh, super nice guy. Oh, as, thank in you. In addition to being super funny. I mean, I know as, as young comics, we all were, you know, you were definitely an influence on all of us. So, oh, thank uh, you. So we certainly appreciate you taking the time makes to, me feel old. to come to this. <laughs> I used to watch you we're when I was, I get that now from people who are like, I watched Single Out when I was in fourth grade. Yeah, like, yeah. You look like an adult now. Yeah. I am an adult now. Oh. I've had three abortions. <laughs> What's wrong with your voice? <laughs> I've had three abortions. <laughs> this that's is what a, happens. That's yeah. right, kids. That's a record for Christmas elves. That's right, kids. Remember, remember, what, remember what Andy Richter says, if you want to look like an adult have a couple of abortions yeah it ages you really nicely it'll make you grow up like a steak cigarettes are so 60s abortions are what the kids are doing to look older now yeah look at samantha in the seventh grade she's had three abortions already she looks hot i can't believe i gotta show my id when i buy a pack of abortions now a pack, a pack of, of abortions, abortions. Yeah. roaming the countryside i save money way. i buy them by the car yeah, they're cheaper that's what gotta do abortion. so abortions are in a pack right? yeah, yeah yeah i buy a pack of them at a time yeah. should buy them by the carton though be cheaper yeah. that way Sometimes when I go to Nevada, I get them. They're cheaper. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> the end. Over and out. Hey, guys. It's Chris. Thanks for listening to the Nerdist Podcast number seven with Andy Richter. All right. A couple quick announcements before I let go of your ears and let you get on with your day. Live shows. If you live in Los Angeles, we're going to be doing the Nerdist Podcast live at Largo. Our special guest will be Adam Savage of Mythbusters. I don't know if he's going to bust any myths, but maybe if you think there's a myth that he can't speak in public then he'll bust that by speaking in public on our show that happens monday april 5th also april 10th seattle washington i enjoy seattle i'll be doing stand up there with mike Furman of hard and firm there might be some songs played so come on out to that details on these shows are at of course nerdist.com Say, if you want to email us, you now have the power to do so with the fabulous Nerdist Podcast email, which is, quite logically, podcast at nerdist.com. And lastly, I would like to say a very sincere and heartfelt thanks to you for continuing to listen to this podcast. I mean, a lot more people are listening to this than we thought we're going to, so uh, I don't know how it happened, but we certainly appreciate it. So on behalf of myself and Matt and Jonah, honestly, thank you so much, and uh, we hope you stick with us and enjoy the episodes to come. Hooray! Bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com Summer is here and adventures await. Wondry and Tinkercast are teaming up to bring you a summer of wow with new episodes of your favorite podcasts. Go on an epic adventure with Portuga the Pirate as she takes a road-tripping adventure across the country on Little Stories Everywhere. Immerse yourself in the life of someone amazing and listen closely for clues to guess who this person is on Whose Amazing Life. Listen to Wow in the World to discover something new about science, technology, and innovation and the world around us. This summer, bring your imagination out into the world and find your wow. 
Visit Wondery.com slash Summer of Wow to find new episodes of your favorite shows and to download Scavenger Hunts for the entire family.